Welcome to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Now your host, Angelo Petiti. And good morning, everyone. This is Noellen for Angelo today. Um, we're going to be taking your questions on 216-578-1100 or 216-578-1111. And I'm glad to be back here today because last uh, Saturday, it was so darn rainy, we couldn't do anything out in the garden. But this weekend is going to be a beautiful, beautiful weekend to get out there. Um, just do a lot of things that we haven't been able to do, um, especially through August and September. It's been pretty darn warm. We've been kind of at the extremes of the temperature scale. So hopefully we can really get out there and um, do some renovating and improving out in the garden and out in the lawn. Um, so again, like last week, um, you might have not been able to get out there and do some fertilizing. So right now it's a really good time to feed lawns. It's that um, typical fourth step in the lawn fertilizer care program. Um, so you can get out there with a Scott's fourth step or you can get out there with the organic Espoma uh, fall winterizer fertilizer and you can go ahead and put it down and you go ahead and you just spread it over a dry lawn. It's pretty dewy out there this morning. So let that evaporate. And then you can go ahead and water it in, okay? And um, that'll work really, really nicely for you. Get that root system of the lawn um, really grounded in there, really anchored in and real healthy. And that will help um, over the winter. It'll also help reduce disease in the lawn if you're you see that quite often in the late winter, early spring. You see the snow molds and so forth. Um, usually that last step of fertilizer can really help reduce those issues. So that's something to think about uh, for right now. It is the best time to reseed your lawn. Uh, the soil temperature is so warm. The grass seed will germinate very quickly. Again, so reseeding your lawn at this time of year is the absolute best time. So, you know, you're going to do a little bit of prep uh, seed always wants to be in um, some good soil, especially when you're overseeding the lawn. Um, or doing the patches, make sure that you prep that soil first, clean everything out, prep the soil, um, make it a little bit rough so that seed can attach to the soil there. And then you're, you're ready to go. You're going to apply your starter fertilizer. You're going to apply your lime. Usually Angelo talks about lightning lime. Um, you're going to go ahead and water everything in and, um, it'll work out great for you. So, um, really good time to think about doing that and getting prepared to, um, uh, renovate or just thicken or, um, you know, really work on those lawn areas. Okay. Prepare soil garden beds for next year. Can you believe it? We're already mentioning it, but it's always good to kind of think ahead. Um, again, so removing weeds in plant areas, removing debris, adding sweet pea to those areas, adding areas, adding manure to those areas. Um, all those things are really, really good. If you can amend in the fall, you don't have to worry about it in the spring. And what happens is all of those amendments slowly but surely move into your soil, enriching your soil. They're slowly breaking down. And um, so when you get out there in the springtime and you're ready to plant that veggie garden again, or a new garden area, it's, it's going to be ready to go for you. Um, the other thing that we often mention is sowing winter wheat on top. And winter wheat is what they call a green manure. So 
and and really we we want you you've got a good time window here but when you put uh winter wheat down after you clean out the garden areas um again because it's so warm it's going to germinate really quickly for you and that's not a problem you let the winter wheat grow up um you know usually about 10 to 12 inches it'll it'll grow up um if it gets a little bit taller than that no problem you can give it a little cut if you will and what it does is it totally greens over the soil and the root system works into the soil very deeply and and so it really helps overall soil really makes the soil very workable for you you go ahead and cut it down because it'll brown out over the winter you go ahead and cut it down and those clippings can help again as a little bit of compost as a little bit of organic material and you go ahead and turn it into the soil in the spring and it's it's fantastic so if you haven't tried it we're going to be mentioning it here for the next uh, couple weeks and so again it's something really really nice to use especially in uh, a veggie garden or an herb garden somewhere that you are cleaning that entire garden space out and then you can cover it um, with that winter wheat and it, it works out really really well uh, planting garlic now my goodness absolutely so much garlic available out there so many different varieties and types um, go ahead you're going to plant in a very sunny area good well-drained spot um, prep the ground again if you can add some compost oh, or manure that's always really really good um, for your garlic and you're probably going um, you know maybe just four inches deep maybe six inches deep um, with those amendments and then with the garlic cloves those individual cloves you're going to plant probably around the four inch mark okay um, planting bulbs well I think it's a little bit like to get um, my bulb selection now or look for the varieties that I want to do, do a little planning um, of the colors and things that I want. And then um, I normally, and you can go ahead and buy them now because you've got your best selection out there, of course. Um, but I probably, I, I wait a little bit longer to um, actually install the bulb. So I usually wait until October. I wait until we get, you know, a little bit cooler in the evenings, um, just kind of avoiding some of the sprouting issues that sometimes we see when we have a long Indian summer. Um, but definitely the bulbs are out there. There are so many beautiful varieties. And again, mixing early and mid and late bloomers, because you'll have that in all of those bulb families. You have that in tulips. You have that in daffodils. Um, you can mix those um, in, in the same area, and it works so well. It gives you a long bloom time especially for uh, that spring color that we are always really craving at that time of year. Just remember when you're installing and we, often say, and I said it last week, it's, you know, you're digging, you're dropping, you're done. Um, for the most part with bulbs, uh, you really can't go wrong, but it always really helps to add that fertilizer component to it. So when you dig that hole, you can add the bulb tone right into the bottom of the hole. Um, if you have biotone on hand, you can add that down in the bottom of the hole. Um, and that works really nicely. And then if you are having some critters digging around the squirrels, the chipmunks, what have you, soil perfector. So a Spoma soil perfector is always a really good product to put down there. Um, it not only helps that soil drain really, really well, but it also helps protect uh, the bulbs around there.
Have you all been seeing the stink bugs out there? So um, we were actually decorating a house for Christmas, believe it or not, um, doing a little photo shoot for Petites. And um, outside the door, we we saw some uh, stink bugs uh, trying to come in. So do watch out for that. They are showing up on housing, um, on your walls, on your windows, so forth. They're trying to find a way in, folks. So, um, you know, again, it's always good to look for cracks that they might be um, trying to come in, seal up those cracks and crevices. um, And then also you can treat the house with Ortho Home Defense Max. That's a spray. Um, There's also a granular that you can apply around the perimeter of the house. Again, do the window frames, um, all those types of things, foundation, and that'll really help reduce them um, coming into the house. Another thing that you want to um, think about is getting your house plants ready to come in. Now, you don't have to do this. Again, we've talked when the ho- when it, the temperatures get a little bit cooler, um, that's what you really want. You want the house plants to gradually cool down and get into that dormant state. So we don't really talk about bringing them in until they do get you know a one or two light frosts right at the beginning of fall there. And so, um, but thinking about it now. Now, if you want to apply something like a systemic insect control or granules in the soil, that treatment you can apply now to those house plants, whether you have hibiscus or what have you that you're going to bring inside, you can apply that now and that'll get that treatment starting. So um, when you are ready to bring them indoors, the plants are clean. They're doing really, really well. So think about doing that. And then another thing that I, I love talking about this time of year, Christmas cactus. So if you have Christmas cactus that you do want to bloom, the best way to do that is to really take it out outside. Um, Get it outside, especially for September through about mid-October, and you're wanting that to be exposed to those cooler evening temperatures. And as we get cooler and cooler, that plant will start to set bud. It also has to do with the day length and the day length shortening too. That'll help that plant uh, go along. But exposing them outside and really letting them get cooler um, is really going to make them the best bloomer for you. So um, you can start taking those Christmas cactus out. I always I lo- always love that tip. So it's a great time to plant, folks. Um, I forgot to mention last week, last Saturday was actually National Planting Day. And it was so darn wet um, all weekend that we really couldn't get out there. But this is the best time to plant. Get uh, new perennials adding color to the garden, looking for things like buddleias now, um, leadwort is out there, um, Leadwort is a beautiful, bright blue ground cover, perennial ground cover. It's really, really gorgeous. Takes a lot of abuse. It's deer resistant. So um, look for something like that. The Coreopsis and the Gallardia or Blanket Flower are looking gorgeous still and are still just really pushing out some gorgeous blooms out there for sunny spots. Daisies. So we've got the Montauk Daisy, which is your late uh, seasoned daisy, absolutely gorgeous. Um, there's another daisy called White Mountain that is, uh, we thought it was an annual at first. It just never stops blooming. It just keeps going and going and going. Um, so look for White Mountain out there. Look at the sedums. The sedum class or, or stone crop, oh my gosh, gorgeous, gorgeous varieties out there. Look for class act, hot stuff, um, thunderhead. They're all absolutely beautiful right now. So. Good- 
time to get your perennial planting for sure because we want to get those roots established uh, rather quickly here. If you're going to be planting mums and trying to perennialize them in the garden, do that now. Okay, get them in the ground. They need six to eight weeks to get established. So that that um, perennial color, you want to get out there and get it established now. Um, same thing with trees and shrubs. Not a problem. You can plant them later and they, they end up taking very, very well. But now, while you still have a great selection of color out there with all of the Rosa Sharon, the uh, Panicle Hydrangeas, oh my gosh, there's so much color available to you. And um, planting them, getting them established right now is so easy. Um, so really look for all of that color that you can really install in the garden. And then I think right now we're going to take a short pause and we'll get right back to your phone calls. Back to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Once again, Angelo Petiti. Hi, everyone. This is Noelle. And for Angelo today, um, we've got quite a few calls here. So that's great. Um, great day to get out there and get gardening. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. Hi. I have a Meyer lemon, and it's been outside um, since the spring. Okay. It's doing well, but it has sprouted below the graft. Mm. Okay. Do you, I cut those off? You sure do. Okay. Okay. So anything that's grafted plant, it doesn't matter if it's a rose or your Meyer lemon or what have you, anything below that graft point is going to be the rootstock of that, um, you know, desirable plant has been grafted on top of some type of rootstock. Now, rootstock plants are very vigorous growing plants, are usually fairly healthy plants, you know, very low disease, what have you. But for whatever reason, their their growth or sometimes fruiting can be rather wild, if you will. Um, so, yeah, so I would definitely remove those sprouts or those shoots that are coming out as close or as near to the trunk as you can get them. Okay. Okay. Can I can I spray the systemic on that on the on the uh, uh, dirt now in the pot? Well, here's the thing. Um, do you do you enjoy your lemons? I mean, do you, you use your lemons, don't you? I've never. Uh, this is the first year I've ever had them. Oh, okay, okay. So I don't normally recommend systemic insecticides for edible plant material. The okay. reason is you apply that insecticide; it is slowly absorbed by the root system transported throughout the plant material that includes your flowering and then whatever fruit development you have. Now, don't get me wrong. It might dissipate by the time you do get some fruiting. Um, not something that I recommend. So with the lemon trees or any any edibles that you're going to bring inside, if you're going to bring herbs inside or what have you, um, I'd go ahead and I'd give them a real good washing down using an insecticidal soap, um, using something like a neem oil product. You know, before you're bringing them in, uh, let's say when they do get exposed to the cooler temperatures here in October, and um, w that's part of that process. So kind of rinsing them off with a heavy stream of cold water, kind of knocking any insects off that might be there, 
bringing them into the garage, you know, spraying them down with an insecticidal soap or a, a, a neem oil, and then um, letting them, you know, kind of dry, if you will, with that product on there. And then you're going to go ahead and bring them in at that time. Okay? Um, okay. But normally the granular insecticides, the systemic insecticides, I don't recommend for edibles. Okay. My last question. Mm-hmm. We put down milky spore about 30 years ago. Okay. And I'm wondering if we should do it again or if it's still working. Mm. That is interesting. I would think that the way that milky spore works, it's kind of a cumulative effect that the the bacteria that you release with milky spore to take care of those Japanese beetle grubs um, does stay in the ground, stays effective. However, if you're starting to see you know, less and less results from that application, I don't think it would hurt. Are you seeing grub issues? No. Uh, every once in a while we see, you know, the beetles, mm-hmm. and but not a lot of them. Okay. And you don't have any grubs, like you haven't noticed any grub damage in the lawn where you can just pull up the turf grass and, you know, you can see those little grubs underneath there? No. Okay. So it sounds like you're still having a a fairly good effect with milky spore. I I apologize. I don't know the actual efficacy rate, you know, that it, and and it does sound like, again, if you have active bacteria, it, it does have that cumulative effect where that bacteria will continue to grow and flourish. And it sounds like you're not having a problem. So I, I would say, you know, don't worry about it. Okay, that's that's excellent, and and we always enjoy your show. Thank oh, you. thanks so much for calling this morning. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi, Noel. Hi. Um, I have a couple quick questions. I'll try to be quick. Uh, I reseeded my lawn in spots. The grass is coming up a little bit. And when can I apply uh, a crabgrass weed killer? And if I apply that in the fall, does that help prevent crabgrass uh, in the spring? Great question. I think a lot of folks um, kind of when they're working on the lawn at this time of year, you know, hey, can we still put the crabgrass down because it's there, it's active. You can tell, you know, that it will, if you let it grow long enough, the, you know, the seeds are right there, the seed heads are right in front of you. But um, to be honest, you really, you really don't have good effectiveness from applying like a step one type product, um, granular. Now, however, if you were going to use a spray that was yes, uh huh. Yeah. That was a grab a crabgrass controller. You you can use that spray. However, you want to be very um, careful where you're applying it, right? So, did you seed or were you seeding patches? Patches, just okay. patches. Mm-hmm. So if you can avoid those patches, because normally we don't want you to spray that product on new lawns until you actually mow them, you know, at least one time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it takes, at this time of year, sometimes it takes four weeks for that grass to develop. Sometimes it takes six weeks for that grass to, you know, really fill in, the new grass to fill in. Um, so I would just be careful on your application, but as long as you're using a liquid control um, mm-hmm. you, you would be fine. Just stay away from that new grass. Okay. Right. Stay away um, from the new grass. Correct. Okay. What, what do you think of malorganite on the lawn? 
Oh, well, I, I mean, Milorganite's a fantastic product. It is an organic lawn fertilizer. It is um, something that that is a good, really, really good greener. Okay, and you can use it anywhere. It, and it's it's really normally used on the lawn, but you can use it in the garden as well as a multi-purpose fertilizer. Um, you know, it's it's economical. It's uh, it can be a repellent, if you will, for deer and and rabbits and other things. Um, they do not care for the smell of that. Um, so it's a great product. Um, and I will tell you, there there's probably going to be a little bit of a shortage here. So if you do enjoy Malorganite, I would get it um, because a lot of people are really kind of, um, you know, they've been, uh, you know, started or used it and, and are really, really enjoying it. And I'll tell you, in a lot of organic gardening sites and lawn care sites, they talk about Malorganite a lot. Um how late can you plant winter wheat in your garden? How late can you um, seed it? Seed it, yes. Mm -hmm. So as long as there's still a good amount of soil heat, it will germinate. But we, you know, we're we're talking about applying it now, and you have a window for I would say about a month, where you do want to apply it. You'll still have a good or high germination rate that it's still covering and doing the thing that it's supposed to be. You know, not allowing any weed seeds to develop. You know, really working its root system into the soil. Um, so you you have about a a month window to apply it, but we still want those warm soil temperatures so it germinates fast. And lastly, um, where and when should I apply triple phosphate to my blooming uh, plants? Oh, okay, so triple phosphate um, right now. I don't. I don't recommend uh, late season fertilizer. Okay. So the last thing we want to do is actually push our flowering plants um, to to producing more growth. And then the next thing you know, we get a frost and we, we damage that new growth that comes out and ultimately damage, you know, the tips of the plants and so forth. So um, triple phosphate, typically we'll use it on, you know, hydrangeas or, um, you know, vines that don't want to bloom like wisteria. We, we tend to recommend that a lot. And so any plants that are really, you know, being persnickety and, and don't want to produce for us, you would apply triple phosphate in the spring. And you'd apply it midsummer if you needed another dose of it. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Great questions. Thank you for calling today. Bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, we had some great questions, but we're going to have to take a short pause, and we'll be right back. Back to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Once again, Angelo Petiti. Good morning, everyone. This is Noel, and for Angelo, I just saw a text come in, and they asked when Angelo is coming back. He's just under the weather um, today. He, I think, with and he he got a head cold and um, just didn't sound very good. So he he asked me to come and do the radio, but he should be back uh, next week. So um, he'll be back soon with more of your gardening tips. We're going to get back to the uh, phone lines, and I just wanted to um, remind everybody again, um, you know, with uh, the Malorganite question that we had before. Um, it, it, it's a neat product. With our Middleburg store, we had um, 
a former teacher, horticulture teacher that used to recommend it a lot. And um, it, it is a really nice product. But again, just watch out. The, the um, availability of it is going to be less and less as you go into fall. So if you do um, enjoy using that product, I would, I would get it as soon as you can. Okay, um, back to the phone lines. Hi there, you're on the air. No, old uh, Millorganite is rare. I had to buy 11 bags at one time to uh, just have a supply. Yes. That's not, that's not my question. Sure. I have two 30-year-old peonies. They've gone from thick to thin. They used to be loaded with beautiful pink uh, blossoms. Now today, this year, I got one flower. I generally only feed it plant tone. Should I try to revive those things, and if I should, with what, or should I just dig them out and throw them away and start over? Well, I, you know, it's not unusual that we have peonies in the garden for a very long time. They're such a great, long-lived plant, but it does sound like things have been changing. Um, do you think that they're getting more shade than the, what they've had in the past? Oh, no, they're getting as much uh, sunlight as my tomatoes. Okay, so they're out. They're in full sun, um, and nothing has changed around them. Are, are they in a bed, a garden bed? Uh, no, they're just in, uh, they're next to my roses, next to my tomatoes. Okay, you're right. So you're getting a lot of sunlight out there. Um, plant tone normally will do a nice job with them. Um, it does sound like, again, because of their age, I would think, uh, you know, some, some transplanting possible division could help with them. And you can still do that now uh, with the peonies, uh, especially your peonies and iris. You know, fall is really the, the most appropriate time to um, update them and and uh, really work on those plants and so um, I tried digging them I tried digging them just make sure again and I know Angelo mentions this make sure when you do reinstall them after you have divided those tubers I would make sure that you're getting them right at the same level that they were planted they're they're very uh, persnickety about that that actual soil depth there um, but once you do that, I would go ahead and I would use the bulb tone in the the hole, okay, uh, before you even put the tuber back in. And um, I'd go ahead and just water them in and see how they do. And and hopefully you'll you'll see an improvement in their flowering for you. Okay, I'll try it. Thank you. Absolutely. Any uh -huh. other questions? No, that'll do it. Okay, thanks. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. I have a question about tomatoes. I've been growing them, and they're fine. They they're, get full size and green, and then they start ripening. But then they start cracking on the top. Mm -hmm. Do you know what causes that? Sure. There's a couple different things that could be happening. Um, with tomatoes, as they do, as they fill out and that fruit starts to expand, um, it depends on if we're getting uh, dry weather, wet weather, what have you. And you'll see more cracking, of course, when we have a little bit of drier weather or if you're watering and the watering, of course, you, you apply a lot of moisture, you get a lot of rain, let's say, and um, you think, okay, I'm not going to water them for a little bit. And then they end up drying out a lot faster than what you anticipated. And the next thing you know, um, again, that skin can get tight and crack. 
The other thing is it's a varietal issue too. So sometimes just depending on the type of tomato you grow, there there are some tomatoes that might crack a little bit more than others. So it, again, it can be just species specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what type of tomatoes are you growing? Um, but I forgot the name. I, okay. I have a, a variety of them, so I don't know. Yeah. So, um, tomatoes like, for example, like Celebrity, uh-huh. um, fast growing, medium size, disease resistant, easy tomato, right? They, they tend to just grow through anything. So even those fluctuations in weather, temperature, what have you, um, usually will stay nice and intact. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it, like I said, so it's just a, a varietal okay. thing. Sometimes um, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. We always recommend, again, even watering, regular fertilizer you know, regimen, uh-huh. just trying to keep them real nice and healthy, real even keel, um, and you'll get really, really good um, fruit development. Um, from that point on but sometimes the weather plays with us and Mm -hmm. we can't do anything about it Mm -hmm. so um, yeah but I you know are you still harvesting yes okay Uh so as long as it's nice out keep going you know and um, don't be discouraged I think again it it might be our weather extremes have been so strange this year Um, so I think that's probably playing a part in that as well okay thank you Noel you're very welcome thanks for calling today bye-bye Good morning. You're on the air. Hello. Hi. 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 Um, I have a problem with mushrooms in my front lawn. Mm -hmm. Um, We had had about four years ago a large maple tree taken out, and we dug out all of the grindings, replaced it with good soil and lime, and have not had a problem for the last three years. Mm -hmm. But just recently, obviously all of the rain, um, we have been having loads of mushrooms popping up in that same area. Right. Um, The first time I dug them out, way down, because I know they have a very large root, and um, put lime down Mm -hmm. and thought that I had taken care of the problem. But now there is more than ever, and of course I know it's spores. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, a couple of days ago, I had... Uh, I put Dawn liquid on top of them and also lightning lime. Now, um, nothing has happened in the last three days, but I'm wondering, is there any product that can be used to get rid of these? I hate to tell you, you're doing, you know, you're doing everything pretty much by the book. Where where did you uh, find out about the Dawn liquid? I'm just curious. Online. My okay. daughter found it. Okay. And it was uh, just a, a water mixture. So you took a little dishwater or dishwashing soap, water and sprayed it. Right. In the area. Okay. Um, I You are. You're doing everything right. 
um, you know, you probably know that when you remove that that maple tree, of course, there's an underground fibrous root system that goes on, you know, forever. And um, as that root system is deteriorating and breaking down, the you know the the fungus is finding a great source of of food, if you will. So um, that you know that's why they're developing, and you're doing everything right as far as you know, digging, digging everything out, applying lime, you know, um, is it in a sunny area? Yeah, um, it's on the west, southwest okay. side of mm-hmm. the house. And um, it's, yes, it's pretty sunny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I hate to say it, an it's a, a matter of the the weather again this season you know it's been warm it's been humid it's been moist and so the you know any any fungus is going to enjoy that type of condition you know um so i hate to tell you there there is no product i can't think of anything right off the top of my head because we would be selling a boatload of it because of all the mushrooms that have been growing this year. Um, But I can't think of anything that you would directly spray on a a mushroom like that. And, um, you know, it would it would be killed from that point on. So what you're doing is great. Um, If we, you know, had a drier season, you would probably see less mushroom development happening. Uh, physical removal of them does help. The lime does help. Um, I don't know about the the soap spray. I'm kind of curious about that too. Um, other than that, it would you know kind of stick to the you know the mushrooms and um, you know perhaps dry them out a little bit faster. I would think. Um, but other than that, I hate to tell you, I just don't have, I don't have a suggestion for a product for you. I've, I've, um, I haven't seen anything like that on the market. Okay. Now the problem too, is that this is right in my front lawn and, um, I've held off cutting the grass because I'm afraid I'm going to be cutting the mushrooms and then spreading the spores around for more to grow. Okay. Um, Do I try to dig the mushrooms out again or, you know, what do you recommend on that? Sure. So um, natural, natural thought. I I totally understand where you're going with that. Um, I think, you know, again, digging, digging out around the area, removing mushrooms before you get out there and mow. Again, I wouldn't worry too much if you're getting them when they're pretty young, you won't have the the spores um, that would be, you know, fully developed and spreading. So as long as you're getting out there when the mushrooms are young, you can go ahead and mow, you can go ahead and, um, you know, go right over that area. But yeah, I think the more you go and try to remove them physically, that's going to help you in the long run. Again, it's just, it's that root system that's still down there and it's still an available food source for them. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. And if we come up with something different, I'll let Angelo know for next week um, if we can kind of put our heads together and and see if there's something else available out there. Um, But like I said, you're doing everything right. So. All right. Okay. Thank you again. And you have a great day. You too. Thanks so much for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. 
Good morning. Hi. Uh, several years ago, I used to use Epsom salt on my tomatoes, uh, and I can't remember why I did that and when I did that. Uh-huh. So um, Epsom salts um, have a, uh, some micronutrients, that's what we're going to call them, in in the, the uh, actual product. So um, with your fertilizers, with your standard fertilizers, you're you are taking care of the macronutrients. So you're taking care of the nitrogen for the plants. You're taking care of the phosphorus. You're taking care of the potassium, which are very, very necessary um, for that plant growth. And then Epsom salts can kind of fill in these little micronutrient parts. So I'm forgetting the chemistry of it because it's too early in the morning for my brain. But I do think (laughs) that um, there's a lot of magnesium and Epsom salts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So you've got magnesium. I think there's some sulfur in there as well, too. So um, it it, like I said, it kind of fills in that um, lesser nutrient uh, Uh niche that plants do need. Um, So I've had people use Epsom salts around tomatoes, roses, you know, lots of different plant material, and you will see, you know, a difference as it is a supplemental type fertilizer or food for the plants. Um, but I would think you would apply Epsom salts, you know, at the beginning of the growing season for okay. them. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's the same thing with roses. And, you know, if you want to try using Epsom salts around them, you'd want to do that during that, you know, early growth Part. So it would be a, a spring application, maybe a midsummer application, but I wouldn't do it now. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, great. Yes. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Okay, doke. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. Hey, um, I have several questions, and I'll try to be quick. No, I'm you're fine. fine. Go ahead. But uh, what greens can I still plant in the garden? I'm sorry, what? What greens can I still plant in the vegetable garden? Oh my gosh. Um, so we you normally talk about seeding uh, greens in August, and because it's so warm, you can keep doing that. So any of your cold crops... Okay, so we'll do spinaches, we'll do leaf lettuces, you can do any of the like broccoli, broccolini, uh, broccoli rob, whatever you like. Um, What else? We can do Swiss chard. You can do, um, oh gosh, the endive, escarole, you know, radicchio, like Angela always talks about those. So any of those, those greens, leafy greens, you can do and they'll develop very well. They'll even get more tasty as we get cooler into the fall. Um, You can plant them in containers now if you want to. You can put them right in the garden space, no problem. And then as it gets colder, you can cover them with like a frost cloth. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes we call them row covers. So you can go ahead and cover them up. And again, those cool temperatures, but when they're protected like that, you can cover them with, um, you know, just some leaves if you want to in the fall, rake over some leaves over top and um, you can continue to harvest and they're fantastic. They taste so wonderful in the fall time when you're growing uh, any of those cold crops. So yeah, you've got a lot of options still Um, in the garden centers right now. You'll see that there are seeds available and most of them are your cold crops for fall and winter gardening. Okay, oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, now the next one is, uh, we have an old rose bush, and it's one of those real fragrant, beautiful button eye, 
and it doesn't produce roses anymore. Uh-oh. When did it stop? Oh, it's been petering out. The last last year we might have had one. Okay. And none this year. Okay. So um, what do you do with it normally? Like, how do you care for it? Well, I wait until the few, I mean, the uh, forsythia starts to bloom in the spring. Okay. I cut it back, and I feed, it regu- feed them regularly, all the roses with Oh, Bayer or something like that, systemic rose care. Okay. Um, good. That's good. Um, okay, so cutting back, you're doing fine. So we'd prefer that you'd cut back in the spring um, when that new growth comes out, and you would cut down to the uppermost growth that is that is uh, forming. And then um, the only thing is winter care, it sounds like, again, with older roses, I'd always recommend after the foliage falls um, in autumn, go ahead and clean out the that spent foliage, okay? And then um, do you ever wrap them? Do you ever wrap them with burlap or spray them with wilt stop or anything like that? No, I have too much to take care of. Uh-huh, I hear you. Here's the thing. If you if you want this this older rose to to succeed for you, I would try to give it a little bit more winter care just to see if you can keep those canes hydrated, um keep them active um and and if you will, protected over the winter so that they can continue to produce for you. Um, I do like the bare systemic for roses. You do have to apply it once every six weeks, typically. Yeah, but write it on the cap when I put it on. Yeah, but here's the thing. I still feel like they need an extra feeding an extra fertilization with that. Mm-hmm. Even though there's fertilizer in there, it's going to be a liquid food. And especially with all of the rain that we had this season, you had probably a lot of that fertilizer leach away from that the rose plant. Um, so I'd use a granular food along with that. So you can use plant tone, you can use rose tone, you can use flower tone. There's lots of options, but um, I'd still at least use the tone product twice a season, again, spring and then midsummer on the roses, and then continue with that bare uh, treatment because that's, of course, going to help with your your insect and your disease issues. Um, It's kind of like my old dog. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah, I think just a little more TLC. I'm thinking winter protection, if you can, after the leaves drop, if you can wrap it in burlap, okay? If you could spray wilt stop on those canes so they don't dry out or desiccate over the winter. If you can prevent some of that drying, I think you're going to see a happy rose. And I think increasing the fertilizer um, component to that is going to really help it out. Well, I was also wondering, I remember my grandma used to bend a rose over and put dirt over part of it, and then it would grow. She'd put a mason jar over it, and it would grow a baby rose. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah, so she was doing some layering. Yeah, so that's a layering technique, and you would take, um, you know, your stem, if you will, your lower stems, and you'd go ahead and you'd just scrape that um, top layer of, if you will, bark, but on a rose, of course, it's just green, and um, that part that you can put underneath the soil, pin it down, mason jar over the tip, absolutely, it'll root for you, and then you can you can start new roses, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling today. We use milorganite 
and we had celebrity tomatoes, so many. I could hardly make enough salsa and sauce and stuff. Oh, (laughs) I'm sure somebody will take those off your hands, too. (laughs) Okay, thanks a lot. Great. Thanks for calling in. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi. I'm calling about uh, raspberries. Uh, Is there anything that I could spray on those for bugs? I noticed some on mine this year. So for next year, I wondered if there's something I could put on them to to, uh, get rid of bugs or to keep them from coming. Sure. What kind of insect? Do you know what kind of insect it is? Not really. Okay. Are you seeing a lot of holes in the leaves or are you seeing like a a chewing insect, like a beetle or some type, or are you seeing more of like a distorted growth? And so maybe that insect is, you know, sucking some juices out of that, the raspberries? Not sure. It's kind of hard to see what, I didn't really notice any bugs, but I gave some of the berries to my daughter and she said, that she saw some tiny little white worms that were on okay. them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the best thing that I can recommend for any type of, of sort of worm, if you will, that might develop into, um, you know, a, a beetle or some type of, of other insect is you can use Captain Jack's dead bug brew. Angelo talks about it. It's an organic insecticide. It does work best on chewing insects. That's why I asked if you knew if it was a chewer or if you knew it was a sucker, because that's normally what we do with insects is we kind of put them in those two categories and see what uh, works best on them. So Captain Jack's dead bug brew, it's an organic. So I recommend it on edible crops. Um, so uh, definitely I would, I would try that and get ahead of it for next year. So when you see new growth coming out on the raspberries, um, go ahead and I'd, I'd give it a spray. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then the other thing that we will recommend with the raspberries is also any of the oil sprays, like all seasons oil or um, even uh, I mentioned a neem oil uh, because those types of sprays can also help keep the plant sealed, keep it covered, if you will. Um, and that will help the, your um, overall cane development and your fruit growth as well. So that might be something to look into as far as um, all seasons oil spray. You would apply it, you know, let's say once every so often, maybe once a month or so. And it just gives a nice overall protection, especially for disease. But the oils can also help um, with insect issues too. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. So something like that. I would definitely look into that for next year and um, see how that works for you. It's all seasons oil spray? Yes, all seasons oil spray. And then um, when I mentioned neem oil, we we use that as well as a fungicide and an insecticide. So um, neem oil can be real helpful, too, out there in the garden, especially with edibles. Oh, great. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes. Hello? Yes, go ahead with your question. Oh, okay. uh, I'm starting to see skunks uh, digging in the grass. 
Oh boy! What is the best thing to use uh, this patented? Sure. So um, skunks are probably looking for again all those insects that are really starting to surface, especially after we have a good storm. Um, you know everything from your worms to your grubs to what have you um, that's out there, and so um, we we have good success with things like. Um, some of the granular repellents, so Repelzol is labeled specifically for skunks mm-hmm. and will do very nicely. And you can just apply it across the lawn and um, it, it works very, very well. Repelzol is um, garlic oil based. There's a couple other different um, ingredients in there, um, but it does work as a nice repellent out there. And you can you can apply it with a spreader or by hand or however you like um, where they're digging and uh, it'll do very, very well. You could also, if they've damaged enough that you need to go in there and reseed, you can reseed the area, still apply the granular repellent, and there's going to be no interaction. That will be totally fine together. Okay. Does that make Uh, sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The Uh, only other, I'm sorry. The only other thing that I was going to mention is if you are seeing the Japanese beetle grubs, down there. And mm-hmm. at this time of year, there is um, bio-advanced 24-hour grub killer. And that is the best product at this time. If you are seeing those Japanese beetle grubs down there, um, I would definitely recommend applying that as soon as possible to take care of that issue. And again, if you don't have the grubs, you normally won't have too much of the digging out there. Okay. Okay. Uh, Another question? question? Uh, yeah, one more. Is it did I still cut my uh, boxwoods? Trim my boxwoods? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could you could trim them if you're just doing, you know, an inch or so um, all the yeah. way around the plant. That's fine. Um, okay. What we're what what we want to is we go into fall. We're doing less and less pruning because, right, of right. course, every time you make a cut, that plant is going to produce more. Right. Mm-hmm. And so right. you're stimulating growth and we just don't want too much to grow as we go okay. into fall because we don't want it to get damaged. So okay. but right now, I think it's warm enough. We you know, we're looking in some really heads. So if you do need a little shear, you can do that. That's what I'm going to do, because I, I know you shouldn't, but with all this rain we've had, they're just growing. growing. Like, yeah. Growing like crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. They're Good. not stopping Okay. Awesome. Okay. Great. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks so much for your calls, everybody, this morning. Um, Angela will be back next week, and we are definitely going to um, figure out about the mushrooms. That's going to be a common problem for everybody. So we'll look into that too for you too. So get out there and get gardening today.